Hey everybody, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the Faith terrible, Church podcast. Terrible. Well, intro. you 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 have worn my hey, you frayed my last buddy. nerve. My nerves are frayed. Frayed your last nerve? Yeah. Which is hard to do right now because I also have an injury going on, and and now you are like giving me nerve pain, but it's a different <laughs> kind of nerve pain. I have physical nerve pain going on, and then I have then, emotional nerve pain going on right now. Because I have. So, I have this much nerve. This is this is one of those times where I wish that we were recording video also, that we did a YouTube version of it. Yes, because everyone can see that you are trying to power up on me right I'm now. Powering you are lording you. over yeah. me. Yeah, so what people don't understand, what you don't know, you may not know about Robbie's office, is Robbie has chairs across from his desk. And he sets it up in such a way that he picks the lowest seated chairs so that he can sit in a power position across the desk from... A, a person there's maybe, a lot of interpretation going into your explanation of the data maybe right now but right well i mean yeah perhaps but that doesn't mean it's wrong interpretation um so now i have countered that i have which i usually sit in a stool but right now because i am really not able to sit i'm standing yes looming over looming me over you and you are as tall as i am you may even be a little bit are you taller than me you're about my height we're roughly. Everyone yeah. thinks you're taller than me because you're half the width of me, so everyone assumes like you're taller. I noticed mm-hmm. that a lot. Um, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Robbie's way taller than Jay." Okay, that's um, how tall are you? My shape: six four, six five. Got you by one you inch. are six five. I am. Still, one inch. That's impressive. All right. Well, I'm not six not four right long, now man. because I am hunched like a. I I would say I'm hunched. And I'm moving right now like a 90-year-old, but that would be an insult to spry 90-year-olds. I'm, <laughs> I am like, so if, if I know that a lot of people know because a lot of people are asking, but then maybe I can put it to bed if people are listening to it or whatever. But on Sunday morning, I um, injured myself mm-hmm. shoveling snow. I was doing, I was doing, um, I was doing a good deed, and no good deed goes unpunished. I've heard that before. And so I. From- pessimists i uh tweaked <laughs> i tweaked um i tweaked my back threw it out did whatever and now um i can't really sit i kind of have to mm. walk and stand and do all that stuff so that's why i'm doing that right now so if you are watching on the youtube channel the video of this podcast and you're wondering why am i standing then for those of you listening there is no youtube video of this podcast so isn't there don't Take time searching for that. <laughs> the four people like I both our listeners just yeah. immediately ran to yeah. their laptops to oh, go. Oh, they can I see this? Yeah. So um so right now though, but what needs to be said about this is I think it should be pointed out the courage that I'm displaying right now by continuing on pressing forward. It's true. I like I just I want to make sure that that's out there. It it's true. really it's, brave. It is. Like it's, it's brave. brave. It's brave. Like You're, I'm grimacing through the pain of having to I'm endure di- another conversation with me. Which yes, which that yeah. So that has Jay, been. this is you sh- cannot have missed this one. This is a big one. It's the it's the How dawning of a new century. I know. Oh, you're trying to move us on. I see what you're doing. You're moving us along. <laughs> Rob is giving me the like. Let's move it along. Yeah. So it's the 101st episode. You bailed on us for the hundredth episode. And so I had to. I had to do it with Jeff. That's. <laughs> That's unkind to two people. <laughs> you just... I didn't think it was that unkind to me. No, I wasn't speaking oh. about you. Oh. Yeah, that's... yeah no, well, you... I, 
just the hundredth. I am episode, so sorry to subject you. I feel like I got left at the, to the podcast to altar. The, to the earnest kindness of Jeff Glossy. It, 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 well, yeah, that's the thing is you have just enough snark that I don't feel bad. Like every time I do a podcast with Jeff, I leave thinking I should probably grow up. But with you, I feel like you're close enough to it that I still feel like, meh, hmm. I'm probably okay. Honestly, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, you can think about it. Get back to me. So yeah, this is episode number 101. 101. Huh? Can you believe we have done this 100 times? Uh, it's a lot. You know, 100, lot. 101 though, is like, this is the start of a new, this is a new century. It is. It's a new beginning. Right. So the, the hundredth episode wrapped up. A centennial first... episode. Well. it's another way to say. 101st. Is that the centennial? I feel like the hundredth is the centennial. No, the last one. We, we wrapped oh. up the centennial episode and now it's a brand new, yeah. brand new century. All I can think right now is I figured we would be better at this by now i believe everybody thought that had hoped that we wouldn't be talking over each other and okay so for the 101st episode we get to talk about a sermon that you preached on Mm -hmm. generous living and i thought it was quite clever that you did the generous giving last week like i preached on generous giving Mm -hmm. and then generous living sometimes um people use techniques like that to make things memorable you might call that a mnemonic help or aid. You might. You might. I don't typically do that because I fall into the not good communicator category, generally speaking, not in the... Which you pointed uh, that out in the... I did. In the sermon. I always like a, a sermon. It's always a good bit to talk about how bad you are at the thing that you're actually doing. Mm, yes. You know? uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which actually makes you a good version of that. <laughs> so that's a... It's a, it's a multi-layered... It's meta. It's meta. You went meta on us <laughs> in in being a good communicator. So um, clearly, no one's going to claim that we're good in this realm nope. right here. But um, so I thought it was a really. I, I thought, in all seriousness, that it was a good sermon. Um, Thank you. I really enjoyed it as I was shuffling around my house watching it online. <laughs> uh, it wasn't pretty. I I thought. Does anybody? Have, okay, I'm curious. Anybody that's watched the service online, does anybody? get struck with the fear that people can hear you because i i was afraid of that i had my airpods in and i'm sitting oh, there listening like and you so were talking singing. back to me and then got upset that or concerned that i could hear your critique no no no, oh. no i was singing and i just it just i had this irrational thought that that my voice was going to go was into the projected into feed. <laughs> that would be amazing we should try to figure out how to do that we could do it um it would have to be on zoom i don't mm. think we'd do it on youtube but i i did have that irrational thought and so um but other than that as i'm listening and shuffling around listening there were i thought there's some really um i thought there's some really good points one that i wanted to kind of touch on was you you started the sermon by mentioning how you kind of discovered this thing in in, mm-hmm. in Philippians two, and made this connection with Acts, and and you kind of just spent a little bit of time talking about the the awe and the wonder and the fun of kind of discovering mm-hmm. it. I'm just curious, like, so I know you kind of touched on this in the sermon, but what? How do you how do you differentiate between like how do we deal with that when we think well, if I'm sitting there listening to that and I think well, man, you've been studying this passage for so long and you still like you still haven't figured out what it means and now all of a sudden you figured out what it means. And <laughs> and so so isn't that kind of futile then? Like, can we really understand God's word if if it takes, you know, a lifetime of studying a passage to 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 understand it? 
um, I mean, I found it really encouraging, but what would you say if somebody is listening to that and thinking if, if Robbie didn't pick up on this after hundreds of times of reading that passage, what hope do I have when I just started reading the Bible? That's such a good question. I, the first thing that comes to my mind is there's a, there's a huge difference between I didn't understand that passage and I didn't understand the fullness mm. of that passage. Like we, if, if our assumption is there is one right understanding of verse A and the goal is I have to figure out how to arrive at that one correct understanding and interpretation. Well, then, yes, then we're going we're gonna to fall into that trap of feeling like, well, what if I miss it? And how do I know? And, well, I don't know original languages, or I didn't read that commentary or whatever, like, or I'm not around those people who had that discussion. So I'm never going to arrive at that, that one specific target um, where, where that's not, I would not, I mean, yes, there are right and wrong understandings of Scripture, but really what we're describing is the Holy Spirit throughout the course of your life constantly revealing it's even bigger than you thought it was. It's even bigger than you thought it was. And then five years later, it's even bigger than that. And and just expanding on that understanding, not so that it's, oh, it's not the thing I thought it was. It's something totally different. But, oh, man, it's even bigger, even more awe-inspiring, even more inclusive, even more astounding, even more uh, amazing than than I thought it was. And so it's, it's not a, I didn't, I didn't change my understanding of this. It just expanded that it was even bigger and more beautiful than I thought. And I think that's part of what like growing in scripture, why it's so important to stay in there. Because if you just arrive at the correct answer, then I've begun the process, not finished the process. Like I still need the years and years and years of coming back to right. that same verse and go, but how much bigger is it than I understood when I first learned what this meant? Yeah, you use the illustration of the diamond, like turning a diamond in your hand mm, and yeah. seeing the different sides. And and I've talked about it being, you know, knowing Jesus is like this big, massive mountain and, and I can't possibly get around to all sides of it and see it, but, but somebody else is seeing it from a different angle. I think there's a tension there that, um, you know, there's... There's that fine line between um, for f there was a while where it, there was a push in the church to say like well you know what does this what does this passage mean to you mm -hmm. and and it became very like just self interpretive and really had nothing to do with the truth of scripture but um, and and that's that's misusing scripture so if I just Correct. read that and I say well this makes me think of this thing and and so I feel this way about that and so therefore this is what this means to me and what it means to you may be this completely opposite thing um, that's not handling scripture well it is God's word and it is true and it does mean <laughs> it does mean something and has yes. like an intended meaning um, but I think most of the time what we're talking about is is kind of application and what does this mean in my life what does this yeah. truth then mean in my life and and also understanding that that the depth of that truth is much more profound than we than we can ever really grasp and and we understand that in so many different ways like if you've ever if you're an expert in some field and somebody uses an illustration or an analogy to kind of explain basically how something works you know um i wish i i should have thought of an example in that moment but um if if like if hunting 
look at that. So I always go into the hunting, you know, what I, what I know well. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, so basically, like, you sit in your lazy boy recliner and hold a gun out a window and wait for a deer to come across and you shoot it. And then you, you'd be like, well, I mean, some people with a lazy boy recliner, some people not. But, yeah, that's the gist. Like, that's, that, the, the hunting is much more complex than that. People go out and they... If, if you allow baiting, like they do things like that, the, the, you know, the food plots and they, they try to create an environment where deer would want to come. And, and there's all this stuff in the gun maintenance and hunter safety and all these different things. It's much more complex than just the way I described it, but the way I described it, it doesn't make the way I described it untrue. Right. It just is a, there's deeper and more complex understandings that you learn over time. Mm-hmm. So whether you're like learning a musical instrument or, um, you know, learning, learning anything that you're doing, like, you know, that there is a, there is a certain surface level of understanding and knowledge. And then you just keep growing in that understanding and and learning and developing. I've never met a musician who feels like they've arrived and that they, that they can't get better. Right. Um, That's a, that would be an unusual thing. And so we want to approach scripture the same way that it's, there's a truth there, but then understanding that I'm going to learn deeper mind deeper truths out of that but then also how that truth impacts my life is going to change from season to season and it's going to manifest itself so like when you say um give thanks in all circumstances when paul says give thanks in in all circumstances well that means something different um for somebody who is in the midst of like one of the happiest times of their life Versus somebody who has gone through a specific tragedy versus someone who has experienced a different trial of a different kind. Someone that has gone through a physical health issue that is no fault of their own. It just feels random is different um, than the person who has gone through um, a a hard trial of their own choosing. Like they would point and say, Mm -hmm. I I chose this path and this is how it imploded versus somebody who has gone down a path and is dealing with circumstances that somebody has done to them, like all three of those people are still, we're still called to give thanks in all circumstances. But what, what that means and what that passage with the weight that it carries and how that um, plays out in my life and what I would say about how to give thanks in all circumstances and what does it mean to give thanks in all circumstances is going to sound different from each one of those people. And, and by listening to people from those different points of view, yeah. it gives me a fuller picture. So that's, right. that's probably a lot of rambling for no, no good reason. Is I that feel what a like, podcast is? I feel like there's, I th- is that the definition of a podcast? Basically. We, we told people we were going to let them see behind the curtain as we process this stuff. So that was me right. processing, processing like what the difference is between like, you know, truth and truth. <laughs> Correct. Like I, my... My realization over the last couple of weeks is not this means this passage in Philippians two means something utterly different than what I thought it meant. It was this means exactly what I have always understood it to mean. However, the context changed a little bit and it became much more accessible. Mm-hmm. Like not this is just this helpful platitude that Paul's saying, "Hey, shoot for this impossible perfection," right. but he's actually pointing to where this is like he could he could introduce you to hey let me let me uh have mark step up here for a second and give a little testimony about how this has looked for them for the last five years like it's a very contemporary practical 
example that he's giving. Um, and I just I hadn't thought of it in that perspective before. It always felt more like, hey, these encouraging, you know, and give thanks in all circumstances can feel like that too, right? It can feel like yeah. this, like, yeah, just shoot for always, you know, aim for perfection in that way and, and not realize like, no, he's saying there is actually something to be thankful for in every situation. We just need to work at trying right. to find where that is. Like, yeah, it's not try to live your life in a way where only things that you're that are worthy of being thankful for right. happen to you. Right. Which is actually, I think, how we function. We assume that then that means I can I can live my life if I live according to God's principles. Then my life will be one that I can give thanks for. And Paul's saying, no, in all circumstances, right. That's you right. can give thanks and. Um, so, so yeah, let's talk about that with the, what he's, so he's pointing back. I think that is one of the key, you're right, like paralleling that and seeing how it is reflected in Acts as they're talking about the early church does change it from this theoretical thing that Paul is saying to an actual tangible, practical idea that we are called to live in this generous way and it's not just generous generosity with our money though that is part of it and that's what we talked about you know last week but it's our whole lives are are meant to be spent out and poured out um in a generous way in a way where i have an abundance mentality where you think about you mentioned time and how we all have 24 hours in every day and what i was just thinking about is when you think about abundance mentality realizing I'm going to have eternity. Like when you realize like I Christianity, I mean, God's God's promise of what eternity looks like makes us. So we're the only people in the world for whom time is not finite. Right. It's it's not limited actually. Um, It is here on earth. And so, yes, there is a way to think about that of making the best use of the days, um, making the best use of your time. That is, that is a good principle to live by. However, when we get into a scarcity mentality with time, then I start hoarding it. Then I start being afraid, like, well, what if I don't have enough to do the things that I want to do? And so I can end up um, sacrificing uh, things that God would want me to do. So one question I had in that, when you mentioned the 24 hours, I thought, well, but not everybody's 24 hours is spoken for in the same way. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to the person who, like... um, you know, we talk about, we see the generous living that acts as, and you did touch on this. You touched on this, like not everybody in, like in your church in Dallas, you talked about how um, at one point, I think it was 20%, you said of, of your congregation had somebody living with them that was not a part of their immediate family. And, and that not everybody was able to do that. It didn't mean that the 80% who didn't have that happening wasn't participating in it. They yeah, were, no, everyone was everyone participating, was participating yeah. in this idea. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you did touch on that, but I think it's worth kind of maybe delving in a little bit more of saying, okay, well, if I want to be generous with my time, um, but if, if I'm sitting there and I'm a, I'm a single mom who's got two jobs and four kids, like most of my, most of my time is spoken for versus right. if I'm a retire, if I'm retired and an empty nester, like I may have a lot more say over my time so so what would you say to that so that yeah i mean you you touched on a lot there so acknowledging the the first step of acknowledging that there are there are different contexts right so and and some like sometimes your obedience in one aspect prevents you from 
from participating in something else. So if you're, you know, you may hear that and go, oh, I love the idea of having a, you know, ex-con, you know, helping helping him transition back into, uh, into, you know, society in a healthy and, and encouraging way. That sounds awesome. Also, I'm doing currently doing my home study for foster care. Well, you can't actually do both of those things at the same time because you you when you're doing a home study, there there there's certain rules that apply, and you can't be like, "Who's that guy? That's Gary. I'm sure he's fine." Like, they're not gonna you're not gonna pass your home study, and then you're not gonna be able to to participate in foster care. So there's some there's some like. It's not always like, oh, you're not doing this because you're not being obedient. It's sometimes saying yes to one thing. Well, all the time saying yes to one thing means saying no to something else. Um, so acknowledging like there's, we're all doing this together, but there's different ways to do that. Um, and then and then in that, helping one another figure out what does that look like for me? So for for the person who is retired, who has seemingly limitless time on their hands now because they don't have those work responsibilities and whatnot. That's a very different discussion. And we're going to talk about like, what do you need to begin to, what activities do you need to participate in to be walking in this for the person who's, you know, for the single mom who's working two jobs and is trying to parent multiple kids. We're not, we're not having a discussion about what activities you're participating in. Your activities are pretty much decided for you. The conversation we're having is how are you leveraging those activities to to worship God and make disciples in that. So while you are at work, how are you viewing your position at work in that time as you're parenting your kids and participating in the activities that they're involved in? How are you leveraging those relationships and how are you using the time that is decided for you? So for some people, it's how are you deciding how to use your time? For other people, it's how are you using the time that has been decided for you? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think I think what gets us into trouble with that is that we tend to hear stories and we because our hearts are so wired to want to make everything a law, and we want to make everything a law because then we <laughs> have something measurable that we know like, okay, if I do that, then I'm good. And if I don't do it, I'm not. And, and it's just not the way the Holy Spirit works. It's not That's the right. way God works in us. And it's just hard for us to grasp. And so when you hear stories or illustrations, immediately what's going to come up in most of our minds is like, well, I, I can't do that. I can't, um, or, or feeling guilty, like maybe I should do that. And so we fall into these these ditches of, of comparison rather than hearing the heart of what's going on and then desiring that heart. You know, like, so if I hear right. that someone takes in seven foster kids, like that should, like, what's that going to do to me? If it makes me feel like, oh, I guess, I guess everyone's supposed to do that. Or you're saying everyone has to do that. And so if I'm not doing it, I feel guilty or I defend myself and I justify myself and say, dismiss the whole thing because I say, well, obviously I'm not able to do that. Both of those are the wrong response. Hmm. Like the right response is to hear a story of that and to be inspired by look at what God, look at what God has done in their life. Like I want to pursue God like that. I want to be generous with my time um, in a, in a similar way. God, what do you have for me to do? And I think like, so turning that attention away from the actual things and, and to the God who gives those things to do, like to, to realize, um, you know, I think we've mentioned before that God, 
God is not, we often think of God and, and the things he calls us to do. We think of him as an overbearing boss hmm. who, you know, all, I think most of us, if you've worked any job, you've had the experience of an unrealistic boss who just piled on more than you could really do. Yeah. And, and, and you would never trust your boss <clears throat> to carve out time for your family or to carve out time, like they, they're they going to push you as much as, most times a boss is going to get as much out of you as they possibly can. And so we put that on God and we think, well, that's what God does. Like he wants me to, he wants me to go share the gospel to the ends of the earth and he wants me to make all these disciples and he wants me to do all this stuff. And obviously I can't do all that. So I'm just going to do the best I can. Um, but that's not who God is. He's not an overbearing boss who overloads us. Jesus says actually that the burden is light, like this yoke is easy and the burden is light. And so like to trust God, I think a big first step of this is to trust him that he has given you all the time that you need to accomplish everything that he has called you to accomplish. Like he does not overburden us. He actually creates a joyful way of us to work and to work in the kingdom and to do what he's called us to do. He's already placed us in situations that he wants us to be in. And that's a hard thing for us to grasp. Like, I, I think if I just said that most people would be like, okay, yeah, sure. But do you, do you live your life in a way that you believe that God has given you all the time that you need to do all the things that he has called you to do? If, maybe you'd even say, I don't even know if I believe that, but if you say you believe it, like, do you live your life in such a way that, that would demonstrate that? Of course, our problem is that we often do things that God never asked us to do. So we load up our schedule with all kinds of things yeah. um, that is, that are not from God. We feel, we feel pressure from our peers. We feel pressure of like, you know, from our own desires. We feel, um, there, there are things that we don't feel like we can give up or would want to give up to clear out time to do these other things. But the issue isn't that God is overloading us. The, the issue is that we are kind of like missing out on priorities and not understanding um, like what he's actually called us to do with our time. Mm. Yeah, that's a tricky one because you can you can see how easy it is to, to tip into both ditches yeah. in that, right? It's easy It's uh, when... When I'm reminding myself, God has God has equipped me and given me exactly enough time to accomplish all that He is asking of me. Um, sometimes I need to I need to hear that as that encouragement of like, because you're not supposed to do everything, right? And um, but sometimes I can I can use that same idea as an excuse to say, well, He's just He's filled my life in such a way that I'm not able to obey Him right now, and that's on Him, <laughs> yeah. right? And that's like so to 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 understand that um, that that same phrase is meant to to both at some seasons in our life lean on us and say which means you got you need to obey <laughs> he has not so filled your schedule with with things that you are unable to obey him and sometimes some seasons we need to hear that to go you have overloaded your life and think like he has not asked you to do this much like. Um, so just, just going back to that, not, you know, what you said earlier, that idea of, it's not like this one white, right way to do that. It's like, I need, I need you in my life to be able to go, okay, like this is, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. 
so that you can help me apply that that idea from the right direction right to help me say like man you yes. you seem like you are overloading yourself with with unnecessary works right now like god's not asking you to do that or to say you seem like you're making a lot of excuses right now to not actually walk in what you know is obedience because of these other things like i need your help we need each other in those conversations because uh because i can't trust myself in that moment necessarily to know like what am i Am I heaping condemnation and critique on myself or am I evading obedience with excuses? So that's why I I try to make the point, like what we see in scripture all the time is we're doing this together, right? Like it's not like you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure this out. It's we're doing this together so that we can help one another because I'm going to veer both of those directions at certain times. Sometimes I'm going to make excuses why I don't have to obey. And sometimes I'm going to feel so overwhelmed and crushed by expectations that I'm going to feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm not obeying enough. I'm not obeying enough. And I need my brothers and sisters around me to help me filter that and say, okay, how are we doing this? How are we in this together? Yeah. I I think I would say that both of those ditches though have the same root issue is I'm still looking oh, yeah. to justify myself by my works. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm either justifying why I'm not doing it. Exactly. Or I'm justifying, I'm trying to justify myself by doing more. That's the fun thing about ditches. They actually, it's it's seldom two ditches. It's just two ways to fall into the same ditch. Yeah, that's true. From opposite sides, you end up and and you're going, hey, how'd you get in this ditch? Right. (laughs) Yeah, because you think about it, and these are things that we have heard and things that we've wrestled with. Like, you know, you might be sitting there like, well, I have have young children right now. And um, so, therefore, if... um, Therefore, I can't make disciples because I've got kids at home. Right. I, or therefore, I can't, I can't be serving the homeless because I have kids at home. Like, well, you can take your kids with you on that. Right. Like, so there is an element of that that we have to be mindful of. Like, what are you saying no to and for what? And does that really make sense? Like, That's I, think, right. I, I found it helpful to say out loud, I can't do X because I'm doing Y and Z. And sometimes when you say it out loud, you just think, oh, that doesn't. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> right. Like, right. You know, you you like to say it in those ways that are just so striking that are because they're true. Of like, I can't obey Jesus right now because I'm too busy um, fulfilling the law, or I'm too busy right. trying to obey God. That's why I can't obey God. I mean, right. that would you say it out loud? And you're like, well, that makes no sense. That's irrational. So, I think that we have to guard ourselves, and some and that part of that's just knowing yourself and knowing how you're wired. That if you're wired to feel this pressure, like I always have to do more, I have to, I have to do more, I have to do more, like realizing that that's really the same root issue as the person who says, I don't have to do more yeah. because both people, you both ways, just one has felt like I am justified in my works and the other one's still trying to be justified in their works. Right. But in both ways, we look to Christ and we just need to rest in him and abide in him. And I think, um, you know, part of that is again, a couple of litmus tests is is one is asking yourself, okay, what am I saying no to, and for what reason? Um, and, and am I choosing the better thing? Like, am I choosing the thing that has kingdom worth? So when Jesus says, like, invest, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, um, you know, store your treasures in in heaven, uh, like this idea of like I want to invest in eternal things. So I think one question is to say, okay, it's tell like. Like you said, saying yes to one thing is saying no to something else. 
but with like no justification, no spin, just write out like, well, when I say no to something, um, what, what am I saying yes to? And am I choosing, am I choosing the better thing? Um, you know, another, another thing that I would say then too, is when you hear stories of generous living, does it inspire you or does it discourage you? Like if you have, if Hmm. you hear, if you hear a story, if you heard like what Robbie talked about, about people living with, with them. And if you hear that story and negative feelings come up in you, like bitterness or resentment or justification or defensiveness or anything like that, that is a red flag that you are living your life in a way where you are trying to, you are trying to be justified by works. You've either Mm, figured out that you've been justified, you've justified yourself or you're trying to do that. And so you, you hear a story and you either get defensive and say, well, obviously I can't do that right now, which is a way of self justification, or you hear it and you feel guilty and feel like, ah, I guess I should be doing more. And that is also self justification. You're just failing at it. And I think, so that's, that's a litmus test. I, um, there's a book that I would recommend. I, I love Rosaria Butterfield's The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you need a book recommendation, there's a great book. But I will tell you, if you're going to read that book, you will find what she does and how they live their life to be quite daunting. And Agreed. And when I've talked with people about that book, like some people read that book and they're inspired to say, okay, what would hospitality look like? Like, how yeah. can I be generous with my home that God has given me? And then there are other people who read it and feel burdened. And that burden comes out, sometimes it comes out in defensiveness of like, well, I just think it's unrealistic what she's talking about doing. Um, Which is and, always interesting when you're yeah. making that accusation of someone right. who's doing it. You're, who's doing it right. and share, just sharing their story. Right. What I, you know, well, so you're saying everybody should do that? Well, no, she's just sharing yeah. her story of what. Yeah. Um, so so that I would encourage you to know, read a book like that and then and see where is your heart in it. Um, because where God wants us to be is to be stirred to say, I can be more generous. And like we talked about with the giving, financial giving, I would encourage people to, to push a little bit. You know, like try... Some things will scare you about opening up your life. Um, but one of the easiest ways to open up your life is to just invite people into what you're already doing. Right. You don't have to necessarily commit to more things. Like when you have somebody come and live with you, for example, you're not um, you're not agreeing to multiple activities. You're just inviting somebody into what you're doing. Correct. Most of the time. Now, yeah. there certainly if you're going to be a foster parent, that right. brings with it. Um, commitments and time commitments that right. are not typical, but there's if, meetings and appointments and and things that that right. come alongside that. Yeah. Right, but if you're like saying, "No, I'll take in the 30 year old single guy who is trying to get back on his feet and let him live with us for a little bit because we have a home that can absorb that or whatever," you're not you're you're not being asked to take on extra things. You're just inviting somebody right. into what you're already doing. So I think that um, that can be helpful. But I I loved what. What I want to, I guess, what I kind of want to steer that to then is you said, um, I really thought it was it was um, great when you talked about. So, as you see this account in Acts and how they're giving, they had everything in common, like nobody went without. And I love that you pointed out that it wasn't that they all became poor and destitute together; it was that they all ended up having enough because they realized that in this community they had enough to care for one another, and nobody had to go without. Um, 
but we can look at that and we can we can then dismiss it out of hand and i loved what you said about you know i'm not sure what that looks like here i don't i don't know for sure what it what it looks like in our culture but it has to look like something hmm. and and that something should be something that draws a reaction or a response i don't know if there's anything more that you wanted to say about that because i just think that's such a crucial point to look at scripture and to say well it, even if i say well that was a different culture at different times so that's how that functioned but it's so tempting then to just dismiss it out of hand and say well then we aren't expected right. to do that but that's not that's not what's going on there well going going back to your statement earlier on the podcast it's not about creating a new law to say what this looks like is a um, it looked like something significant dramatic radical in that culture it's it's what is it going to look like in this culture it's going to look it might not look identical because we're not an agrarian first century culture um, so it's going to look different but it's going to look like something um, because the question can't be do we or do we not obey Jesus' commands? Far too often, I feel like we get caught in this conversation of, well, should we or should we not obey this? Honestly, I don't understand that conversation right. if you're a professing Christian. Like, I understand that conversation if you're searching and you're reading the Bible and you're going, are you seriously supposed to obey this? But once you have submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you've you have functionally moved past the do I or do I not obey this? You've made that decision already, ostensibly. So the question is, how are we obeying this? Um, so, all, you know, books like like Gospel Comes with a House Key or, or, you know, whatever other testimony you hear of people obeying in what feels like unusual or extreme ways to you, they're, they're obeying a biblical principle, Right, a, a biblical command of, of be hospitable, be thankful, be generous, consider others as more important than yourself. Like that's a biblical command that they are that they are working out in their own context. So our question is not, well, should I consider others as more, you know, as important as myself? That's the biblical command. So if I'm following Jesus, yes, yes, I should. We've again we've moved past that question. The question is how am I obeying that command? It might not look exactly the way it does for you or the way it does. You know, someone in Manhattan is going to approach community in a very different way than someone in rural Iowa. I would assume those cultures are mildly different from one another. Not as different as you might think. Oh, fun fact. We can discuss that in a future podcast. <laughs> like it's, but we have to, we have to talk what, how am I obeying this command and and who's with me in this how are we obeying this together is the question that we need to ask and and we need to move beyond discussion and theory and move into practical application yeah i think that's that's the key is i just want to encourage people just start start being right. generous and start opening up your life to people and offering and you gave a lot of great examples that we see in the church of um people showing up with um you know with a generator or mm. uh, people giving of their time in different ways like that is something that i think um i think that we've seen god give a lot of favor in here and it's just one of those things where like we like we appeal all the time like we want more like we don't right. ever want to just say oh well i these are the three activities i feel comfortable and serving and doing and so there i've i've done my 
job. I've done my work. Um, we don't want to do that. We just want to say like, okay, God, what, what else do you have? Which we get from Paul, right? In multiple letters, Paul says, I want to see this in you more and more. I want you to see, I want to see this all the more you are obeying. I want you to obey more and more. Like he, in the same idea of what we were talking about with scripture, like we don't want to just say, did that check that box, but to say how, how can, what didn't feel normal last year now feels normal. Imagine what could feel normal a year from now. And then a year after that. And then what if 10 years from now we're looking back and going, could you even imagine that we would, that this would be normal to us now? Like that to, to change an entire culture of people because of taking these incremental steps of what if we could be even more generous? What if we even even more involved in community with one another? What if we could expand our understanding of scripture even more? What if we more and more and more like in, in a, in a beautiful God ordained greediness for more of him Mm -hmm more of the spirit, more of the abundant joy that he is offering us. You know, I think, yeah, and I loved when you asked that question of what, basically just getting us to think, what what do I want? Like what I wrote down was, what do I what do I want to be normal? Like, yeah. you know, we, we know to do that in other areas of our life. You know, people do it for retirement planning or if they have like big goals that they want to accomplish, um, you know, we'll put those out there. But that's really what we want to think about, and and so one area that I've, um, that we've walked through, and and I've encouraged other people to try to walk through is uh, when we talk about orphan care. It's one of the reasons why I loved, I love the welcomed ministry, and it's the idea behind it, and yeah. um, that that you we have opportunities for people who might say, you know what, I've thought, I, I've had a lot of conversations with people who say I've thought about fostering. And I just don't know. It feels like such a big, I mean, it is, and it's a big commitment. And not everyone is called to welcome in a foster child, right. but we are all called to care for the orphans. Yes. And so, uh, so welcomed is such a great way that everyone can participate in that. And so that would be a way, if you're saying, you know what, I've, I've thought about fostering, but I honestly, I'm just scared. I'm scared of what that would look like. I'm scared of what that would do to my family. I, you know, maybe you know, my, my spouse and I are not on the same page with that or, you know, whatever those things are, then, but you can start by giving of your time to care for orphans in, in small ways. And then to keep going down that road, as far as God calls you to take the next step. That's right. And you may get to a place where you say, okay, this is where we're supposed to be. Um, I knew a, a pastor who, who felt called to international missions. That's what they always wanted to do. And, um, but in, in just being faithful and trying to lead people, ended up planting a church and ended up realizing like, I'm not going to be the guy that goes to China and serves overseas like that. So I'm going to be the person who sends people to Mm -hmm. do that. And so who knows what God has for you, but, but what I know in, in my life is that, um, stretching in those ways has never returned void. Like God just, nope. God uses that in so many ways. And as long as I'm abiding in Christ along the way and I'm doing everything in faith and obedience to Jesus and not in trying to check a box or trying to justify myself, then it is always fruitful. Sometimes I've gone down roads where I real, I've had to realize, okay, this is not the road that we're called to go down. And okay, well then, but then what am I going to do? Like how, yeah. where, where God do you want me to serve? 
I think these are all important things, but you aren't ever going to figure that out by just hanging out in a room and, and not thinking about it. Right. Right. Like I was going to say thinking about it, but most of the time we just look at it and be like, well, I just, so you hear a sermon, we talk about orphan care. You say like, man, my life situation right now, we could not, we could not foster a child. And so then I just put that on the shelf and I don't ever think right. about it again, as opposed to saying like, okay, so, but this is a command. What can I do? What should I do? Right. Like, let me start somewhere and then keep taking steps. That's right. When I, when I ask, why can't I do this? Why can't I obey this command right now? Why can't it look like this? Sometimes you're going to find yourself going, I, I don't actually have anything legitimate on that list. And you're, going to, and you're going to feel like this is actually accessible. And I've been making excuses. And you're going to walk in that. Sometimes you're going to look at that and you're going to go, okay, here's the three reasons why this is not possible right now. Um, but what is possible is to come alongside this foster family in this way, in providing meals or in cutting their lawn or in whatever, like to take the, to actually take the time of saying, of, of working through it, not just dismissing it uh, or not just feeling guilty about it, but to actually take the time to think it through and say, okay, why do I feel like I can't walk in obedience to this? You're, you're going to find out sometimes maybe you can. And if not, how, how you can, you know, support others who are doing that, which and I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to say that, but just for the sake of simplicity, which still counts, right? right? That's still obeying the command. Like it's not the, the only way to do this is this one thing. It's providing that meal for that foster family is caring for orphan. That is doing the thing. Um, and we just, we All just want things to... done in faith <laughs> right, in that. Right. Like if you're, if that's what Jesus has asked you to do, I mean, nobody would look at the soldier who is commanded to, you know, to stay back at the base camp, no one would right. say work that in the radio. Yeah. Like they're not saying you're, well, you're not as faithful as that soldier who is called to the front line. Right. Yes, the guy on the front line is really thankful that there's a dude on the other end of that radio. Right. 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 Like <laughs> they're both, they're both being faithful to the extent right. that they're being obedient to their commander. That's and right. I think, and, and we have to, that's what we keep pushing to. If you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. He will tell you, like he will, he will show you what he wants you to do. And I'm just saying that from my personal experience, I can hear God much better when I'm moving. I can hear yeah. God much better when For I'm sure. saying like, okay, does it look like this God? Rather than sitting back watching Netflix, you know, or running around to a bunch of other activities and letting other people dictate my time. And just saying, okay, well, I'm sure God will let me know if he wants me to do something with this. Um, he does. He lets us know all the time. Like, so you're telling me it's easier to hear what God's saying when I'm listening to God? Is that what you're saying? I feel like, yeah, that's, I, I mean. I can support that. Bank it. I can support that, that. that. Put that, yeah, you can You can engrave that. That is, that is rock solid. But yeah, that's, but I, I think we overlook that idea and just assume like, oh, I can I can go on about the life that I want. God knows where I am. He'll let me know if he wants something from me. Yeah. As opposed to a rhythm of walking in faithful obedience and trusting him and joyfully doing so. Because it is a lot of fun. Like Lauren and I have lots of stories of when we were planting house churches and how hospitality was a part of that. And how scary it is at times, but also how joyful it is. Like yeah. how fun it is. And I think we we miss out on on that piece when we assume and again, that goes back to that idea of is God an overbearing boss who's just trying to you know drain every ounce of productivity he can get out of me, or is he a good father 
who is inviting me to participate in his work for for my joy right those are two yeah. fundamentally different perspectives if it's the latter if he is my good father who's inviting me into this incredible work for my joy then i don't need to be afraid of what he would be asking me to spoiler do. it's that one it is that one yeah and I don't have to be afraid of what he's asking me to do. That's like, right. What if he? What if he's asking me to do this? Well, what if I? What if I pray about this and God does call me to adopt a child? Like then what? Well, that's for your joy. Like, it's amen. It's going to be amazing, um, you know. But but again, there, that's again why we need community because it's hard sometimes to discern that and to um, get ahead of ourselves or whatever. But I just the posture to be generous with our lives, and then like you said, to kind of like wrap it up. I just love always reminding us that it being done in community is where this power is because it is so true that a the generous act of a single person can be dismissed as well that's just how that person is but when a whole community a faith community rallies and makes an impact um then that's much harder to explain and and so we've already seen the fruit of that in our church which has been really encouraging, whether it's in the school district or in the in government, in the courthouses or whatever, like there's a reputation growing. That's the sum of everything. Like we are, um, you know, the whole of the church witness is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. And there's something powerful in that. And so we get to then, that means we also get to partake with one another. We get to rejoice with one another because as we support one another and encourage one another, then when we go and serve, then like you said, it counts for us too. Like we get to participate yeah. in all of that, um, which isn't the same as sitting back and just being like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a part of that church because I just show up on Sunday. And so now I, I get to take part in that. We're talking about like when you are invested in the family and you're building one another, stirring one another up to good works, um, then you, you get to also share in the joy and the reward of those, of those wonderful things. Amen to that. Man. So, all right. Hey, why don't you wrap up 101? What me? Yeah, man. You, I you almost never... always wrap up. I, I think you should. You should. You should okay. close out 101. Since I started it so well with my yeah, finish strong. I feel badly that I started the 101st episode with such a dull thing. So. This is such a tepid. About, yeah. Welcome. So, all right. So let me see if I can wrap this up. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. So glad that you could join us. Hopefully, it's been helpful to you. And uh, if you if you need any encouragement in this, we would love to help you figure out what does it look like to live generously. And we can point you to other people in the church family who are living in this way. We've had so many great stories of people who are living generous lives, bringing others w along with them to learn from them. And so if you're in that situation where you say, man, I, I would love to learn what this looks like, we would love to connect you with people who can, who can show you that as well. So, um, but in all things, we just, we want to be an encouragement and uh, encouragement to you and, and encouragement to one another to be pursuing Christ more fully. So thank you for listening and until next time, grace and peace.